Welcome back, Disruptor, to another episode of Liberation Lab Podcast. Before we get going here, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to formally invite you. On October 21st, the Liberation Lab community is gathering for my empowered workshop about managing up in schools. Teachers continuously in community tell me that their ideas, their frustrations, and all of these things are going unheard, which increases stress levels, leads to burnout, and so many other uh, things going on in our educational system. But what if there is a way that we could use the knowledge of what our admin isn't saying? Use the knowledge of how they work, what they do. If we can get inside their heads just a little bit to be able to leverage our ideas in such a way that moves things forward, lowering your stress and dropping any type of fear you have when you put your fingers to that keyboard. We're going to do that together. We're going to develop our principal profile, which will give us key insights into how to connect with our admin or uh, central office in such a way that helps our ideas be heard, that helps us maximize our impact and feel once again, like we belong in this wonderful field of education. Join me on October 21st. You can click the link in the description below or head to my website for more information. I can't wait to see you. Only $49, October 21st, from 12 p.m. to 1.30. We'll see you then. Peace. Well, Disruptors, we are talking about bringing humanity back into education. And when I say that, what is it that I mean? I mean that there is an approach to education that centers compassion, that centers understanding. And by and large, it has been lost and in some cases never existed in education. I mean, the reality is, let's take a look around, y'all. Humanity left education long ago. If you can see this, the picture of my office visually, you'll see that in my background is a is a picture of Elizabeth Eckford of the Little Rock Nine. And if you've ever heard her talk about the experience on that day in 1957, she recounts that she wanted an opportunity that she felt like wasn't present at her pre- her school Dunbar. She thought that she would be gaining. Um, a better education from this shift to an integrated school. And as she walked from the bus stop to the school, she soon discovered that the National Guard that the governor deployed wasn't for her protection, but rather it was for her exclusion. That she walked to the first entrance And they stood in her way that she walked to the second entrance and they closed their guns together so that she couldn't pass. And then they pointed her across the street and she had to cross over to an angry mob, this mob that would shout, shout slurs at her. They they, they chanted things like two, four, six, eight. We don't want to integrate. And this was in 1957. 66 years ago. I need you to know that it wasn't that long ago. I I know that the 
the pictures in your history book are in black and white to make you feel like this was ages ago. It was not. So when I say we need to restore, we need to bring back humanity, I say so acknowledging that at, in many places, humanity never existed, particularly for black and brown folks. And so in many places, there's there's been a response to this. We see the inequality of education and we try to tackle it. And one of the ways that we do that is we reduce education down to merely academics. We teach children that if they work hard enough, if they have straight A's, they are going to make it. We perpetuate this lie, this myth of meritocracy. I know I get into a, a lot of trouble with the trolls when I say this, but meritocracy by and large is a myth. There is not a one-to-one -one correlation about the hardest working people achieving the highest levels of success. There are many folks who have gotten to positions of power and prestige simply because of who they know, the color of their skin, and the access that they were given. Now compare this understanding with the real world. There are folks in power who have the worst character and mediocre education to boot. And systemic inequality makes it even harder for black and brown people to succeed. And on top of all of this, success in the real world has little or excuse me, has less to do with book knowledge. It's about collaboration. It's, a, it's about uh, creativity. It's about thinking outside the box. Yet, in our schools, we push conformity over all of that. In my experience, I found that the kids that we label the problem kids, quote unquote, are, are sometimes the students who are the most talented. They, they are students who we haven't been able to tap into their genius yet. And typically we find that these problems arise because we have boiled education down to a race. We are trapped in this one size fits all approach in a system that will overwork us all. This system that is inflexible, demanding and lacking in humanity. Conformity is valued above individuality. Passing comes before learning and profit comes before students. I mean, just think about the average day in an American classroom. You enter class the same way. You sit in this assigned seat. You listen to what the teacher says. You regurgitate the information back to them. You rarely make connections to the real world. You rarely work in collaboration. And when you do, it is only on the terms of the teacher. There's no autonomy. There's no uh, layered approach to how we do learning. You must conform or in many cases, academically die. Passing comes before learning. I am ashamed to say that I am in some ways, and we all have to do this work when I say this, in some ways, I am complicit in a system that has, even within my school, seventh graders who read on a first grade level. I know a few of them by name. And unfortunately, due to 
many of the inequalities in education, we would rather just pass students on to become somebody else's problem. I've said this before, but I think it bears repeating. If you've ever gone to the carnival, you know that there are these water balloon contests where you you shoot the water out of your gun, your cannon into the clown's mouth. And as you continue to hit the target, you fill up this balloon. This balloon continues to fill up until it explodes. And visually, this is what happens in education. You push out the problem to some other location and allow it to explode somewhere else. And then on top of that, the only worth that we attribute to our babies is what lies in our grade book, which in many cases is very subjective. And so we ask our babies to hit targets that continuously move and then wonder why they're frustrated and don't feel like they belong within our system. I always think about the imagery of this, uh, this satire cartoon that I saw. And it had uh, a chimpanzee, a fish, a snake, um, a rabbit, and some various animals. And, and it said, now, go climb that tree. And the first one to the top gets an A. Well, if we continue to measure the genius and the creativity and the productivity of all of our students based on a system, right, this standardized system, I think that sometimes we're going to run ourselves into error when we don't tap into the layers of genius that our babies have. You see, if I take that fish and I ask it to climb a tree, well, I'm not, I'm not tapped into the genius. It, it, matter of fact, you take that fish out of the bowl and you put it on the ground, it's going to look pretty ridiculous. But when I put that fish into water, I begin to see the layers of genius come to life. Do we do that in education? Well, the answer is by and large, no. So how? How can we begin to bring humanity back? Many times when we have these conversations and we'll quickly identify the issues and problems, we'll talk about them. And I think those things are good, right and true. At the same time, I never want to be guilty of having liberation be something that we talk about in a vacuum. Because even as you listen to this podcast, you still have to go to that building that may not be conducive with the things that we dream about. And you still have to go teach. You have to go inspire. You have to go connect. So what comes isn't just some list of things that you can read about, but something that I believe and have seen pay dividends in how we connect and um, how we connect and have compassion for our babies. The first thing is I need us to remember our shared humanity. Remember your, our shared humanity. Educator is the only time that your students hear your voice with conviction when they have some task or some reason to perform. When you speak, is it only to get them to do something? Or do you actually connect in a real way outside of those academic moments. 
And, and don't tell me you connect only during that five minute SEL component that maybe your district is handing down that you have to do now. Do you really connect with your students or in your mind is the connection with your students antithetical to the learning that needs to take place in your classroom? Because I'm telling you, as someone who's been in this for a long time, connection and academics go hand in hand. Matter of fact, the late great Rita Pearson told us best that children don't learn from folks who don't care about them. And it's very interesting when we talk about this, that those same teachers who choose to go about these things the same way, if you ask them about their administrator, they will tell you that an administrator who you only see when they need something, they'd say that that person isn't effective. And yet turn around and repeat the same harm. One of the ways that I believe I've been able to build um, a stronger connection with my teachers as an admin is by being present. Building trust in a way that says you you can talk to me more uh, than what what needs to get done in school. You can actually talk to me about life and we can connect on that level. And when we do that, it only fuels a deeper understanding, connection and push for how we do things in our school. We see when that trust is built, I believe what you say. I want to connect beyond Merely what's said in the textbook or what's said in the the mandates that come down from the central office. So when I talk about remembering our shared humanity, I mean. If you go into the classroom and you don't remember the things that make you feel valued and appreciated, that that help fuel you along your journey, if you don't remember those things, when you step into the classroom, you rob yourself and your students of all humanity in that room. They know it. And listen, students are the biggest um, barometer for where that is taking place. They'll tell you where they feel connected. They'll tell you where they feel loved and valued. I have forgotten more lessons than I've learned in school, but I can tell you all the teachers who cared about me. I can tell you about Miss Parham, one of my favorite teachers ever. I can tell you that she made me feel like I could do anything, that she believed in me to this day. If I ever see her, I know that in her classroom is when I first felt like I could do what I dreamed of. I'm an educator due to educators like Miss Parham, educators like Miss Capers who saw me in my difficulty my fifth grade year and still valued and loved me who corrected me, who asked me, who got curious about my behaviors, but still saw greatness in me. But what about you? Are, are you the, the teacher who was going to see the humanity in your students, even when they are testing your last nerve, even when their behaviors aren't conducive to a smooth running educational environment? If the only time you see humanity is when it comes in a form that you prefer, I'd venture to say you're pushing out more students than you're including. So remember our shared humanity, but secondly, be willing to adapt and adjust. My God, this is a big one because 
Teachers will tell you about the inflexibility of a system that affects them, but then be very inflexible yet again with their students. So I want to invite you to do three things. I invite you to start, stop and continue. If you've been in education, you already know where I'm going. Start. What things should you be doing in order to ensure, improve or adapt to bringing humanity into your classroom or in your school community? What are you doing presently? Have you reflected on your present practices? Have you put yourself in a position to to be a student? of your students. But secondly, and I probably argue more importantly, stop. All of us, even the person talking now, has things that they need to stop doing in order to improve, in order to, in order to connect better, in order to ensure um, higher learning levels higher performance for students. There are things that we all need to stop doing. And here's my biggest gripe in education, or one of them, is that often we've gone through a system that many of us have had to survive and not thrive in. We've ascended to getting certain degrees, master's degree, doctorates, bachelors, whatever it is that you might have. And then we go back to that same system. Realize that we have survived it and then turn around and tell students who are having a harder time adjusting. Well, I got mine. You mean you ascended the ladder of the dominant culture? You've done things you've assimilated in ways or you've 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 survived it in ways. And now they're having a hard time adjusting and you don't have compassion for that. So we need to start, stop, but also continue. There are things that you are doing even now that are working, that are connecting, that are building, that are allowing children, allowing our babies the space to breathe, to exhale, to just be, to recognize that they are good enough as is. And and at the core of, of all of this is a commitment to a radical humility because many folks who want change in education tend to be inflexible themselves folks want a convenient change they want improvement without sacrifice because when people say change in education they usually are pointing to someone else that admin over there that parent that doesn't show up the way I think they should show up that child who will not listen that That person in the central office who only sends things through email but never connects with me in person. We always point the finger somewhere else, but change starts with you. So what can you do? Be willing to adapt and adjust. I'd even invite you to take this start, stop, and continue idea to your students. They'll tell you. Have them submit an anonymous essay where they can actually tell you what things you need to start doing, what things you need to stop doing and what things you need to continue doing. Often we say we want student centered practices, but we only want them on our terms. Do we allow our students to 
Do we give them, excuse me, amplify the voices they already have in meaningful ways that help us move our school forward? So remember our shared humanity. Be willing to adapt and adjust. But thirdly, cultivate confidence. This is huge. Because we need to reframe what failure is. Students need to understand that failure is merely another step on the pathway to success. If you're not failing, you're not learning. I saw a a video once, and this, this was a gentleman who was a business owner. I don't remember his name, but he said something that I think, I, at least I hope I'll never forget. He said that we need to adjust our relationship with failure. failure. He said, what if you knew that it was going to take you five failed attempts before you succeeded. You would start counting very differently. When you got to the fourth one, you would be more excited. You would you would jump out jump for joy almost. You would you would have a determination to fail again because you knew once you got to five you would succeed. What if that was our understanding? as it pertains to growth and development, that I was three failures away, that I, that I need to take each failure as a moment, as a step towards the progress, towards success. That's, that success is an ongoing destination that I am trying to get to, that, that is not some fixed reality. And if it's not a fixed reality, then that means that failure isn't one either. We have to do away with our linear understanding of learning. Learning doesn't happen because it says by lesson number two on your pacing guide that the student must learn X, Y, and Z. Now, in saying that, I understand that we still have to teach within the confines of what we've been given. So how do you infuse humanity into that process? How do you, with maybe some lunch groups or after school work or before school work or during class work, or how do you infuse that time necessary to, to cultivate the confidence in our children? Are you the sole means of learning in your classroom? Does all information come from just your voice? And I don't mean the turn and talk that you do in your classroom. I mean, in your classroom, in your ecosystem, is peer learning a means to make learning stick? Zaretta Hammond tells us in her, her paramount work, the one that I believe every educator should read, Culturally Responsive Teaching in the Brain. She She talks about how if a, if a bee is confused, it goes back to the hive. Does the same thing happen in your classroom? Do we have collectivist principles that guide our understanding and our learning? Are we just the, the sage on the stage? Does all learning take place because you deem it so? But fourthly and finally, and I mean this with all love, we have to get over ourselves. Typically, when it comes to identifying issues and problems within education, when it comes to things like restoring humanity, we will think that we're doing a good job because we have success stories, but we don't point to the other things that have happened that maybe we failed. We, we don't do reflection as a practice. We don't 
We don't turn our critics into coaches. And when you do challenge educators, you'll hear it come out. I've been doing this for X amount of years. And, and, I, and I'm saying this with understanding that, that, that we all, right? We all have contributed to, even though we're fighting against this, the ways that our educational system is harming kids. But if our only or our primary means of defense is how long we've been doing it and not how many years we've probably failed kids and harmed kids along the way, we really need to get over ourselves. There is always room to grow, always room to improve, always more to be done. And that's the joy in education. And I wasn't going to say this, but I guess this is number five. Man, if we don't start looking for joy, what gets us excited about learning? What gets us excited about those aha moments that our students have? See, we talk about those aha moments, but we ourselves had to do a bunch of work to get there. We had to think about what sticks for kids. We thought about maybe that failed lesson, the one that didn't go as well. And we reframed it and understood that we could adjust and tweak to connect with the child. That when that student got a grade that they didn't like, we didn't make them feel like it was the end of the world. We picked them up reminded them of who they are and put them back on the pathway towards their destiny, their success as they define it for their community. If we're really going to bring back humanity, we must understand that our schools are, our schools cannot contribute or develop communities that they are disconnected from. We have to connect in a real way with the the parents, the caregivers, the community members, the activists, the 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 local businesses. We we have to do our part to to be but a spoke in a larger wheel. To bring humanity back means to actually value the humanity of the people we serve. And my hope is that we would connect in such a way with ourselves first. And with those around us, that we would get over ourselves in such a way that reflection becomes our daily practice so that we could actually see our babies light up in our classrooms instead of just enduring them. So what will you do this week to ensure that humanity exists because it's your classroom, your school, your office? wherever it is bringing back humanity means valuing the humanity of those we serve let's keep pushing y'all till next week peace